There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Rarely going where no one has gone before. Welcome to The Captain's Share, a podcast on all the shows in the Star Trek universe on the Fangirl Zone. I am Sean Fangirlass, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... Um, Chief Engineer Steve. I was beamed yourself in there a little too quick there, Steve. Yes, I did. <laughs> and I'm Richard Dave, and today we'll be discussing Episode 5 of Season 2 of Star Trek Lower Decks. I was, like, so excited watching this, but because I love Lower Decks. So before we talk about me being excited... How did everybody else feel, Steve? Oh, this was an awesome episode. It was so great that not only did the bridge crew not get into the party, only Bolmore was the one that was able to get in. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that guy can't win. He couldn't stay aboard the Titan. He can't stay at the party. Yeah. Dave, well, what I, did you think? I know we're not rating this, but if we were rating it, I'd only give it a two and a half out of five bubble baths with Tony Newsom. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I, I didn't like it that much. Chase scenes, eh, all of them driving around. I, I don't know. It just didn't seem like one of their best efforts to me. Not that I'm sure a bubble bath with Tony Newsom would be a five out of five, but this episode, right. no. <laughs> I liked it, but I don't know. This is, I want to say, like my palate cleanser for the week normally because it can be a rough week. I just went back to work. So having this, I was just like, yes, lower deck, lower deck. <laughs> so that's why I liked it. It's just kind of fun and silly. And sometimes you just need that. Yep. And that's what I needed. And I just kept thinking of tribbles the whole time. So <laughs> yeah, me too. That's why I give it a thumbs up. Well, before we get into this week's discussion, we have some feedback from last week from Jazz. So let's take a listen. Hello, this is Lieutenant Commander Jazz giving a review about Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 4. I could see how the boys might be confused and think that Mariner is a secret agent since she was on five different ships and she might be a little bit older than they are. Or if she isn't, she really got through a lot of ships very quickly, which isn't so great since she's been demoted many times. It's nice to see both Rutherford and Boiler getting along really well so that, that he's friends with more than just Tendi. And I enjoyed the fact that they were having mixed drinks with little umbrellas in them. I personally like pina coladas because they're sweeter. The Mikado... When they were doing their away missions, they mentioned how they couldn't use phasers because their lower packages would be sensitive to phaser fire. But wouldn't everybody? <laughs> no matter what you got down there, hidden phaser fire isn't going to be an improvement. <laughs> so 
I thought it was a nice way to put it. I uh, love the approach of the boys figuring out how to save Mariner by appealing to their sense of profit. You can have a 150% increase in profit over the long term if you agree with these terms. And I thought that was perfect for Frankie because their sense of profit overrides everything else, including family more often than not. And I just thought that was awesome and a very nice turn of phrase. And then she was very into it at the end. And said, those nerds are using math to, and negotiation to save us. Which I thought was well played. Leave it to the boys to pick the wrong log to hide in. Each his own, I guess. They got they didn't get dinner, but they did get a show. <laughs> uh, seems like a very Ferengi thing to do. To take your ship and say, oh no, you destroyed my priceless ship. You must replay me with your ship and everything else you own. And at the last minute, her husband said, oh yeah, that's a scam. So it's a good thing the captain was able to get all of her stuff back. And it was good that Mariner was actually interested in the boys' marketing game. And she was actually better at it than they thought. And she now appreciates diplomacy a little more than she used to instead of just smash and grab. I can definitely agree that sometimes you want to keep people at a distance until you get to know them. She was crushed that they took that as at face value because she thought they knew each other better. So it was nice that they all worked everything out in the end. And she got the rounds for everybody and started different rumors. But at least it was to their credit. End report. Now, where did I put that trouble? Well, thanks for your feedback, Jazz. I do think we kind of agree on a lot of the points you made. Yeah, like-minded for sure. Yeah, especially the point on Having Boimler and Rutherford work together and actually save the day for once, that was definitely a positive. And, you know, Mariner can't be too butthurt if she's the one who starts the rumor. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just think she was surprised. That's all. I right. <laughs> that, that they would believe it. Yeah. But with the things that she's said over the last two episodes about keeping personal things <clears throat> to herself, it's kind of, mm, <laughs> hopefully that will be changing in the near future and she'll start opening up to her friends. Tendi learned a little bit more about her and I think the other two probably will too in the sooner, sooner than later at least. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems kind of odd otherwise. Well, as always, Jazz, we really appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing from you again. Now let's get into episode five, An Embarrassment of Duplers. Mariner and Boimler try to track down the location of a legendary Starfleet party while the bridge crew deals with an insecure alien diplomat. Played by, voiced by Richard Kind. I knew I knew that voice as soon as I heard it. Oh my gosh, as soon as I heard him talking. <laughs> Wait, what? So, Act 1, Captain's Log, Stardate 58053.9. And you have to say that with a deep voice. The Cerritos is escorting a <laughs> Dupler emissary to Starbase 25 for trade negotiation. Duplers are a species which involuntarily duplicate as an emotional defense mechanism. We've been walking on, and as they said, we've been walking on eggshells the entire trip. <laughs> Captain Carol Freeman and her senior officers are enjoying a nice dinner with the Duplo emissary, and he thanks Freeman for her hospitality and her effort to prevent him from duplicating. As he says this, he actually drops his fork and is seemingly embarrassed, but before anything can happen, Commander Jack Ransom throws his own fork on the ground, and everyone laughs off the incident. <laughs> I thought everyone was going to do it, too. Start tossing right, their yeah. forks by him. 
Good. The emissary, what? Quick thinking by Ransom. Attaboy, Ransom. The emissary excuses himself and the senior officers breathe a sigh of relief, noting the extreme stress of the task at hand. However, as they'll be in time for the command conference at Starbase 25 and then after the party, they believe that their efforts will be worth the trip. In the cargo bays, Ensign Beckett, Mariner, and Brad Boimler are stacking crates and unhappy about the fact they don't get a chance to attend the party. I still don't understand why officers have to stack crates. Now they get a, a standard crewman to stack crates. Right. Not only that, don't they have a little device, you know, that levitate the crate anyway? Yes. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought it was weird. It was weird. Boiler begins to reminisce about the time on the USS Titan, and, and Mariner notes that if he were still there, he'd like a guaranteed an invite to the party. Boimler begrudgingly notes how his transport duplicate, William Boimler, is probably going to be there, and he gives Mariner an idea. Of course it did. As the Titan is preoccupied with the pack lead, Boimler would go up to his duplicate's place with Mariner and knew and would know the difference. In the lounge, Ensign Tabana Attendee and Sam Rutherford are building a working model of the Cerritos and note the small details included in the model. Rutherford notes how much work they got done before he lost his memory, but starts to get confused when he finds what appeared to be instructions that were etched in the parts of the model, but by himself prior to his memory loss. He doesn't know what they mean, but he is confident they can still finish the model. I want that model, especially since it's shoot. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> the, the Cerritos arrives in Starbase 25 and is greeted by station personnel asking how their trip was. Freeman notes how exhausting it was to accommodate the Duplo emissary. But as she talks about the strenuous nature of the trip, the Duplo emissary walks into the bridge and overhears her talking about his fragile emotions. Freeman tries to cover, but the emissary believes he was a bad guest and he begins to panic. He begins to spontaneously duplicate. <laughs> Unable to stop him after duplicating. The captain of Station 25 denies her permission to dock at the station and only interests the station to overrun with duplers. Yep. <laughs> and I love Ransom's it, face when uh, she was starting to talk. Us. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh. <laughs> at their bunks, Boimler asks Mariner if they should be in their scants for the party, but Mariner declines saying no one wears those anymore. Then they get the message from the bridge that the, I bet card would. <laughs> then they get the message from the bridge that the duplers are duplicating it. And if they see them, just a smile and look away before the duplers realize this. She's telling them the whole ship about what's going on, further exacerbating the problem. Realizing the chaos is a per perfect distraction, Mariner and Boimler sneak up the Cerritos to attend the party. Mariner and Boimler beam over to Starbase 25, and Mariner notes how the location of the party is usually kept secret. But since she used to live on the station, she knows her way around. And she leads Boimler through the station. A mysterious Tellerite notices her on board and contacts someone that she is back on the station. Is he the first one to say Becky? Yes. First yeah. time we've heard her called Becky. That I raise an eyebrow I'm like Becky. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, wait, I don't remember hearing Becky. That's why I was like. Oh, yeah. Malvis called her that, too. No. I just must not have. I guess. Boimler and Mariner enter a shop, and they're immediately confronted by a Mazarian named Malvis, who holds them at gunpoint. This can only end well, right? Yeah. <laughs> this Malvis happens to Becker every time she goes in anywhere. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. It's like she's got a gun on her, which is why she's not phased anymore. Malvis is angered that Mariner has stranded him on SETI Alpha 4 because it's so much worse than SETI Alpha 5. Right. <laughs> but Mariner denies that she strands anyone, causing Boimler to note a couple instances that she did, in fact, strand him, such as on Rubicon 3 and Exilus. As Malvis and Boimler relate, kind of bond, on how hard it is to work with Mariner, she interjects and asks Malvis for help, as she believes he knows where the party is. 
dude was just pointing a phaser at you and you're like, that's eh, cool. Where's the party? Yeah. <laughs> Elvis agrees to provide them with the location if they assist him in moving a few crates of merchandise consisting of bubble bath mixed in bottles shaped like Lieutenant Commander Data. <laughs> uh, although I did like, are you sure these aren't lore? Yeah. Okay. yeah. A few of them might be. <laughs> like, well, maybe. Back in the lounge, though, Oh, on the Cerritos. Rutherford and Tendi are still struggling with finishing the model of the Cerritos and are a bit baffled that it's taking them so long to finish, unsure what they're doing wrong. Rutherford has instructions that were written by the past him, but they are pretty confusing to present him. Oh my God, I want to confuse myself now. Yeah. <laughs> As they try and figure it out, Shax enters the lounge with a large mass of Dupler emissary. Well, emissaries, it's still the one dude, but there's multiple. Yeah. <laughs> so who's still Dupler Katie? And orders all the officers to clear the room, saying the room is needed for emergency Dupler holding. <laughs> I was like, sorry, you were delivering him. I'd have been like, sorry, your problem now. Bloop. Yeah. As the emissary continues multiplying, Rutherford and Tendi rush out of the lounge, looking for a quieter place to finish the model, which further embarrasses the emissary, which I think is funny because, like, they're really paying no mind to the Dupler. Right. They're just like, I have to finish this. I have to finish this. On the bridge, Freeman is trying her best to calm the emissary down, saying that he doesn't need to feel embarrassed, but this makes the emissary believe more that there's a reason to feel embarrassed, or at least one of the many duplers. It was like, oh my gosh, the copy of the copy is getting really weird. Yeah. Freeman realizes that whatever she says doesn't help calm him down and decides not to say anything anymore, leading to the emissary believing that she's giving him the silent treatment. Oh no. <laughs> Once again, intensifying the situation, because yeah, that like turned it up to 11. Yeah. In the turbo we, we all we all know somebody like that too, sensitive to everything. Like, oh, come <laughs> right, on, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel right now. Okay, after surgery, like seriously, everything. I'm like, <laughs> but I'm not <laughs> duplicating myself because I would be annoyed with myself pretty fast. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, he was a triple. <laughs> you noticed there were triples in that guy's shop. Yes. Space no. Station. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm going to rewatch everything this week. <laughs> In the turbo lift, Rutherford is starting to get frustrated with the model since the model's power is wired wrong. And Tendi suggests that perhaps they should just put it away. Yeah, that's going to work. Like, yeah, don't worry mm. about it. Calm down is basically what she's saying. Yeah. I don't see that working very well. But Rutherford declines, intent on finishing it. But the turbo lift opens into a corner full of rapidly duplicating duplers. Yeah, say that three times fast. Yeah. <laughs> realizing that they're in the way because Rutherford is like, oh, excuse me, in a very nice way. But nope, they freak out because, oh, no, we're in the way. <laughs> and they duplicate some more at an even more rapid pace. Back on Starbase 25, Mariner and Boimler are driving the merchandise storage. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? Mm, probably not. Mariner's frustrated with Boimler that he told Melvis that she abandoned him on accident, noting that the incident was private between the two of them when suddenly they're pulled over by station security. Mariner contacts Melvis, who reveals that he set them up. And there's stolen Klingon disruptors hidden beneath the bubble bath. Of course Boimler there is. Suggests- <laughs> I love it. Boimler's like, well, why don't we just tell him the truth? Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> never not going to work. <laughs> it was a good plan, knows. though. Yeah, why not? Let's do this. Because Boimler, being the 
by the books guy, which let me say this, this episode, he was rather like willy nilly about everything, which really surprised me. Like, I don't know about you guys, like he wasn't by the book like he normally is. So I was like, are we sure we have the right boy, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty Daddy. willy. When he's not being by the book, he is pretty willy nilly. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the two extremes, nothing in between. So Mariner knows security teams on the station are corrupt <laughs> and they will coerce a confession out of them regardless of the circumstances and probably sell their comms badge on the black market however mariner also knows that they're not very good drivers and speeds away driving through the station's casino barbershop clothing shop which boimler happens to mention every time yep yeah <laughs> yeah that was great fascinating mariner drives through the promenade avoiding civilians and shop stands while boimler screams in terror and as they're doing this, I'm like, oh, my God, all of the different alien species from all the different shows. I was like, <laughs> this is awesome. So I don't know if we have Easter egg hunt with our boomers here, but I'm hoping you guys found some of them. Mariner eventually makes a maneuver and suddenly reverses, causing one of the security cards to crash. I'm waiting for one of them to go right out into space at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Don't go down the stairs. Mariner's like, I would never go down the stairs. I'm like, oh, no, because she goes up a set of stairs and crashes into a hangar with one cart still left in pursuit. But before we see what happens to our, our little runaway gang here, we're back on the street house with Tendi and Rutherford. And they have been cornered in the repair bay by the Duplers and climbed the shuttlecraft Sequoia to help escape large mass. I love that Tendi was freaking out because Rutherford goes underneath to grab the, the, the door. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like mad. And it's like, oh, I haven't heard Tendi like that in a minute. So as they climb up, the Duplers start to push the shuttlecraft towards the ceiling because they just keep duplicate. And I don't even understand because they're not even talking to them to stress them out, but they just keep duplicating. Rutherford notes a maintenance hatch and he's like, hey, we can escape through there. And Tendi's like, uh, no, it was sealed off months ago. Don't you remember? And Rutherford kind of has a freak out. He doesn't remember. That was old me. Yep. And he's showing his frustration because he doesn't feel like himself since he's so behind. Even in our friendship together, I'm like a year behind in our friendship, which has to be kind of weird to say that. And he can't even remember what his note on the model means. And I'm competing with my own ghost. And I was like, oh, man, he's really having a moment. Yeah. Meltdown. Yeah. I felt so bad for him. But I'm like, I'm feeling bad for a cartoon right now. <laughs> Back on the station, Boimler and Mariner crash into an aviary and manage to elude the security cards still chasing them. However, after the last one crashes, Mariner nearly hits an old groundskeeper. Boot me! But, <laughs> yeah. but crashes into a rock, causing them to crash into the lake. Okay, I have to say that whole thing with the groundskeeper, I'm like, well, that's dark, but that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> because he's like, this is how I die. Um, <laughs> kind of grim. Yeah. I survived. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that was a little uh, <laughs> dark for <laughs> Lord Dagsby. So Mariner and Boimler <laughs> wait out of the lake, which is now full of bubble bath mix. And Boimler angrily says that they will be getting arrested, but Mariner contacts Malvis and demands him to tell them where the party is, threatening to expose the disruptors belong to him. Of course, he's confused by this, as Mariner would be arrested with him, and Mariner says she knows, and that they would be in the same cell together. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Intimidated by this, Malvis finally reveals that the party is in 
the ballroom alpha. And of course, Meredith notes that every big party is held there and that it's not <laughs> even a secret. That I thought was funny. It's like, yeah. really? So a soaking wet Mariner and Boimler make their way to the party and an insectoid bouncer asks for their names. Boimler almost blows it, but gets his duplicate name aboard the Titan out of his mouth and the <laughs> bouncer lets him in, but prevents Mariner from joining him. Noting that as she serves on a California-class starship, she's not allowed in. That was not right. That still shouldn't matter. What difference does that make? Yeah. Mariner is frustrated that she isn't allowed in, but relents, saying she will find ways to occupy herself. Yeah, Boimler is unsure about going in without her, and she tells him just to go in without her, bringing up how he basically did the same thing when he transferred to the Titan. Ooh. I know, it's getting bitter here. Yes. Realizing that Mariner is still upset that he accepted his promotion, they get into an argument as Boimler didn't know she was still angry with him. Well, until she tells you not, she's going to be. Come on. I guess. <laughs> Mariner replies that she's been waiting for him to apologize to her for weeks. And Boimler angrily says that he earned his promotion and leaves, angry that Mariner is making it about herself. Yeah, they both kind of had some points there. They know how to get in, get under each other's skin. Yes, they do. The That's bouncer why you pro- know they're good friends. Yes, the bouncer approaches Mariner and attempts to show some sympathy, but is just brushed off by Mariner. And Boimler <laughs> enters the ballroom and is astounded by the sight. <laughs> All around him, famous Starfleet captains, such as Captain Shelby and Captain Uxley, are socializing. But Boimler quickly realizes that is an Incredible as the party is, it isn't fun without Marin. Back on the Cerritos, Rutherford believes he is going to have to get used to the fact that he was a better engineer before his injury, and Tendy tells him that he never finished the model at all before his injury, as they always stopped at the warp core before starting over. That's one way to do it. <laughs> Don't think I could leave a jigsaw puzzle unfinished. Yeah, I know. Drive me nuts. <laughs> and now she comes up with that little bit of information. Yeah, she tells him that whenever they worked on the model, people would leave them alone, allowing them to enjoy their time together without any interruptions. This makes Rutherford realize that the notes he left on the model parts are nonsense instructions, simply meant to make the build process slower, making him find confidence once again. Well, that was a quick turnaround. That's kind of cute. Yep. Then they get an idea to detonate the model's warp cord, <laughs> open the hatch above them, and escape the duplers. <laughs> oh my god, I love the little voice. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> counting down, yeah. As they Does es- that mean they have teeny tiny dilithium crystals too? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As they escape, the Duplers lament that Tindy and Rutherford don't like them. <laughs> At that point, I kind of wanted one of them to be like, yeah, you're annoying. You yes. know, just and then close it. Meanwhile, Mariner has found an old rundown bar and is having a few drinks when Boimler approaches and sits next to her. Mariner is confused why he's there, and Boimler admits that while the party was everything he thought it would be, without Mariner there to enjoy it with him, it wasn't as good. Boimler apologizes to her for transferring to the Titan without saying goodbye, and that he was concerned that Mariner would have tried to talk him out of it. 
which you damn right she would have. <laughs> Trick him out of it. Yeah. Mariner and him begin to reconcile, and as they enjoy their time together, Mariner apologizes that she ruined the party for him, and Boimler tries to write it off that the party isn't as special as they make it out to be, but both know that to be wrong. <laughs> On the bridge. But it was you. Yes. Because, it- like, if you are not there with me, I'm like, aww. Yep. On the bridge of the Cerritos, the Duplers continue to multiply, much to the frustration of Freeman. Losing her patient, Freeman angrily berates the Duplers, saying that they are too easily upset. As she angrily says this, one pair of Duplers gets angry and recombine. Interesting. Realizing that embarrassment is what makes the Duplers lose control of their multiplying and getting angry gives the control back, Freeman orders the crew to insult and scold the Duplers. <laughs> I could have that. Yeah, I could have backfired. Yes, it could have. <laughs> Crew immediately go on the offense, making the Duplers recombine rapidly until they recombine completely on the bridge. The emissary, furious at the way he's been treated, leaves the bridge for his quarters. Stay there and don't leave. (laughs) The bridge officers breathe a sigh of relief and Freeman calls Ransom Shacks and Dr. Tiana to get ready for the party. Think Back Tiana's on gonna the- bring some uh, catnip with her. Yes. <laughs> oh my scratch, god. Scratch box. <laughs> yeah. Back on the That's station. That's for later. Yeah. The, bar- yeah. <laughs> the bartender tells the very distraught Mariner and Boimler to cheer up, noting that they aren't the first people to try and crash the party going on. She then points to a spot on the counter, and Mariner and Boimler are astonished to see that both James T. Kirk and Spock visited the bar as well in the past and carved their names into the counter. <laughs> you know that was Kirk, because Spock wouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Illogical. Yeah. The bartender tells him that the two tried to crash the party in the 2260s and ended up at the bar. Starstruck that two legends shared the same seats that they now sit in, Mariner and Boimler cheer up, realizing that the bar is more historic than most realize. Then Freeman and her bridge officers approach the bouncer at the party and, of course, are prevented entry. That was hilarious. (laughs) She is shocked to hear that she is not on the list and she angrily tries to get the other captains to vouch for her, but they all ignore her. Now, that was pretty crappy. Yeah, really. I was so mad. Yeah. I'm like, that's some bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. There's no other word for it. Nope. Because she knew a couple of them, and they both just kind of turned their backs on her. And was like, damn, you better hope uh, she doesn't get promoted and become your boss one day. Wouldn't the admiral Wait, be there? Then, yeah, then you would think. DJ. Come on. Her husband's the admiral. Don't they know that, too? Maybe not, but. They should. Yeah. Come on, man. Ransom suggests that they should probably just leave, but Freeman stands up for her ship, noting that despite the fact that their ship is not as important in status, they are still Starfleet and still important. They're the best at what they do and will be entering the party. (laughs) (laughs) Except you're not. I'm surprised she didn't just, like, knock out that bouncer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, have him uh, transported somewhere. Yeah, ordered Ransom to take him down. Later, Freeman and her bridge officers are sitting outside the bar in which Mariner and Boimler are drinking. Mariner notices them and invites them to enter the bar with her and Boimler. Pleased with the invitation, Freeman accepts. She's not even surprised to see her there. No. (laughs) 
At that moment, the Dupler emissary approaches Freeman and thanks her for her help in recombining him, noting that he needs to work on his confidence. As his meeting doesn't start for another hour, he asks if she knows a calm place where he could relax. <laughs> Freeman says, of course I do, <laughs> and contacts her transporter room. Freeman has the Dupler emissary beam directly into Ballroom Alpha where the party is still going on. One of the captains offended by this sudden beam in tells the emissary that the party is private, causing the emissary to become embarrassed and once more starts to duplicate, filling the entire room in a matter of moments. Not that easy to say it that often, is it? No, <laughs> but that was awesome. Don't let us in. We're going to ruin your little party. Quick thinking. Yep. Although I'm kind of surprised they didn't just beam themselves in then. Right. Uh, they had to get back. Something Mariner would do. Her mom's not as different as yeah, that's it true. Is. <laughs> Back at the bar, Tindy gives Rutherford a new model kit. This time yeah. of Deep Space Nine. That that was great. And Rutherford yeah. is ecstatic that it comes with both Jedzia <laughs> and Ezri Dax, and they promise never to finish it. <laughs> Brother. Freeman approaches Mariner and Boimler and says that everything worked out, noting that the people she loves to socialize with the most are there, and Mariner calls it the best party in the quadrant before coercing Boimler to say that he's still her sidekick. <laughs> I'm your mentor, <laughs> and you're, now you're my number one and you have to grow a beard. <laughs> yeah, that I thought wow. was funny, because yes. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work. No. <laughs> Mariner drags Boimler away in an arm lock, teasing him while Freeman enjoys her drink and notes that both Mariner and Boimler have carved their names right next to those of Kirk and Spock on the counter. I love, too, when Boimler's like, that's not how it works. And Freeman's yeah. like, I heard it. Yeah. It's true. It's official. It's like, what? So it's like, okay, she's relaxing a little bit and laughing with the rest of them. But right. I feel like Boimler's going to be like, oh, man, yeah. I can never John leave. Beach is back. <laughs> you know, they continue to dance around a relationship between uh, Beckett and Boimler. Yeah. It's all so close here and there. I have a feeling, you can call a tinfoil hat if you want, that in the future, they may, you know, I don't know, go to the bar, get a little close or whatever, and realize maybe there are some feelings then. Although, uh, when they leave the bar, <laughs> it'll really be William instead of Boimler, and then Boimler's <laughs> going to discover them. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Boimler would be so mad. How dare you? <laughs> We'll now, yeah, I could see a you know a drunken night out and yeah. things happen and they wake up the next morning and freak out because they're in bed together. Yeah. <laughs> oh no 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 no! I can hear that. Yeah, we mustn't say anything about this. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, oh, I already did my boom, some boomer talk earlier, but we got some Easter eggs. Two legacy Star Trek: The Next Generation characters made visual non-speaking appearances in this episode. Dandian Okana from the Outrageous Okana and Shelby from the Best of Both Worlds. I was so shocked to see that. Shelby. Yes, especially Okana being the DJ for the party. Is like, what? I, that's what I was like. What, what was his name? I couldn't think of it. But I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, but he's not even Starfleet. Yeah. <laughs> Shelby's alien first officer resembles the original uh, design of the Kelpians too. Oh, In the barbershop. God, they look better now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good grief. In the barbershop, Mariner and Boyma drive through, and three Bolian barbers are seen. 
That's a handful of them. I'll <laughs> I'm say like, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'd continue, say that a couple times. This continues the tradition of bullying barbers after Vassal and Mott on Star Trek The Next Generation. The joke, of course, being that the bullions are generally bald. <laughs> Did this episode, episode give us a clue as to what happened to Kirk and Spock during their missing first year? I, I wonder about that, too, because, you know, they're on a Constitution class. Why wouldn't they be invited or allowed exactly. in the Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, Kirk was not the most popular Starfleet captain at the beginning, as we discovered that he and Spock also apparently wasn't allowed into the command conference as they carved their names into the bar. And if you notice, at the end of the bar, Zephyrin Cochran's spaceship is at the uh, at the end of the bar. I, I thought that was a neat model and a nice insertion. Yep, absolutely. Well, Sean, how many aliens did you catch on the space oh station? Oh, my God. I don't know. Okay, now, first of all, I enjoy star trek but i don't remember all of the names <laughs> right but like the fish one and then i thought there was the one kind of fishy one from deep space nine and the avians and i don't know there was so many like i can't even count all of them i should have like been using a little tick mark like yeah. all of them <laughs> but i would have had to pause because there were so many so i'm saying i seen at least two dozen I'm guessing one of you guys actually counted. No, but I nope. did get a kick out of the Pike scooter. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did see that too. Didn't it beep at him too? Like beep. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, well, wasn't the one guy from the, oh, crap on toast. It was like the head and the guy was in the all black, like almost mechanical wheelchair thing. Yeah, that's the Pike scooter. Yeah, okay. the Pike tra transport. Okay. I was like, wasn't he in the one episode when they were taking the out of phase boimler to or rutherford no it was no boimler. it was boimler and yeah <laughs> yeah we saw several of them yeah in that episode as well okay yeah, we sure did i'm like weren't they taking him somewhere <laughs> <laughs> well any more thoughts on the episode no nope. i just now i have to go back and watch everything again <laughs> <laughs> i was still thinking about bubble bass with tony newsom yes. sorry tony <laughs> sorry tony <laughs> we would love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Please review and rate us on iTunes. Good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, as there are a lot of other Star Trek Lower Deck podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and I hope you like our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. And don't forget to go to www.fangirlzone.com to check out all of our amazing podcasts that Dave just alluded to, like the other ones on Captain's Chair. You might be enjoying Discovery, and these two gents will talk about it, and they are awesome. Or perhaps Picard. Just thought. And you can always go to our contacts page, and it is so easy to get a hold of us and send us all your feedback or your thoughts or just hey, you know what? You forgot about this alien species that they ran past. <laughs> and you can name all of them because I don't know all of their names. Like I said, I enjoyed it, but I was never like a fan to be able to retain all of it. Hey, did you guys notice, uh, did you see the new Picard trailer? Oh my God. Yes. You saw it. It was awesome, I, huh? I made my husband watch. He goes, I don't know who Q is. I'm like, what? Uh, yeah. God. Oh. <laughs> that's, what, that's when you take your phaser off stun. Yeah. <laughs> Prodigy looks amazing. Oh, yeah. Holy crap, that looks we so great. We have so much coming. And yes. we just missed a Star Trek day. Yep, that was a couple so days ago. It just passed. And yeah, there's so much that they're like, oh, here, 
here's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it looks like we are going to have an awesome, awesome year with some of these shows. Yeah, the Strange New Worlds crew. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Uhura. Uhura. Wow. That's awesome. Yes. I'm glad they did that. Chapel. Yeah. Chapel, too. God. Maybe we should podcast on it. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have a pretty strong inkling that we will. We still don't have a date, do we? No. Yeah. Yeah. We don't don't have a date. Prodigy. Yeah, not only do we not have a date, we don't even know what the title is of the sixth episode, which is September 16th. Yes. What is with? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Well, until then, remember. This is Chief Engineer Steve. No way. I didn't put on underwear for nothing. <laughs> Maybe we should take some of these bubble baths up to the party. And this is Red Shirt Dave. I didn't take off my underwear during this podcast for nothing. <laughs> 